Hey, Morgan. Hey, Amanda. How's it going? Pretty good. How are you? Good. Welcome to Bike Shed. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. For some of our listeners who don't know you, we want to give a little bit of uh, information about yourself. Yeah. So again, I'm Morgan. I'm one of the designers at ThoughtBot in the San Francisco office. And when I'm not doing regular design work, I'm also extremely interested in VR and game development, which is something I do in my spare time. And I've also gotten at least half the San Francisco office into VR. So that's pretty cool. That's awesome. I don't know anything about VR or game development or the difference. Um, Is there game development that isn't VR? I guess, obviously, um, but can you talk a little bit about those? Yeah, so I can start with game development because I actually used to want to be a game developer when I was growing up and totally didn't do that at all, (laughs) (laughs) as this is what happens with most childhood dreams. And really, I just love video games so much. I grew up playing games and I love the different virtual worlds that you can create and immerse yourself in. And that was cool and all, and I even built my own PC a while ago just so I could play really good games on the highest graphics possible. Are PCs still the best options if like, you care about graphics for gaming? Absolutely. Gotcha. Yeah. And really, you have to make your own. You don't have to, but if you buy a pre-made one that's really good, there's a huge markup. So Got it. Don't do it to yourself. <laughs> but... Yeah, and I I love games, and VR has kind of been on the horizon for a while, and originally I was interested in it because of the possibility for games, like, you really are in that game world, it is full immersion, and that's super cool, of course, but the more I get into VR, the more I realize it's not just about games, even though that is a super fun aspect of it. There are lots of different applications that I'm excited about, especially, for example, in the medical field. I know there's some VR companies that are all about, you know, teaching doctors to do new things in virtual reality. Oh, that's awesome. Um, I hadn't thought about VR as a tool for teaching in medical, in like the medical realm, at least. I know that there are um, some doctors are using VR. I've heard with uh, child burn victims. Mm. Um, and if you like immerse the children in a snowy scene or something very cold, that it actually A, distracts them and B, helps kind of trick their mind into thinking they're cooler than they are. Yeah. So in the case of burning where like your body is physically has to cool down, it's a really cool tool. Yeah. And I mean, now that you bring that up, like empathy is a huge thing in VR. And one of one of the projects I was most excited about was called Giant VR, and it's it's not a game, it's like a VR 360 movie, and I've never actually seen it, but I've heard the creators talk about it in New York, and what it is is this two-minute 360-degree film where it's kind of inspired by these wars that one of the creators went through as a kid um, in Eastern Europe and just hiding while there's, you know, bombs dropping around you and everything. And it's set in a surreal version of America. It's not set in Eastern Europe, but it's just this family in a basement in a war zone trying to figure out the best thing that they could do in that moment. Mm -hmm. And again, it's really short. It's like two minutes, but it's already won a bunch of awards. It was at a bunch of film festivals. And one reason it's so powerful is because you really are in that room with them. And it's that much more intense than just watching a movie about it, which could also be very moving. 
Um, so I think the applications of like telling really unique stories or trying to create empathy for other people, that's something people are exploring in VR. Some yeah. people are skeptical about it, but that's that's everything. What are the arguments, like, like what are the skeptics saying about it? Well, I guess the skeptics are more, they realize it's kind of a double-edged sword. Mm -hmm. Like you can experience really beautiful and profound moments in VR, but it's also really easy to basically torture someone yeah. mentally because you're so fully immersed that mm -hmm. if you don't take really good care of that experience, it could very easily go in the complete other direction. Yeah. And there are some things in VR that make people extremely uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. There's already been harassment in VR, which oh, wow. that did not take long. Yeah. I can um, imagine it being really disorienting too. Yeah. Just like kind of standing there wearing a headset, like thinking you're somewhere else and just falling over. I mean, I fall over in the real world, so. <laughs> People do fall over or they move too far and, you know, like yeah. the headset flies off or something. <laughs> That's definitely a problem. And also for some people, you know, it can be like video games or really any other kind of distraction from the real world. You can enjoy it so much that when you get out of it, it's like, oh, yeah, it's like a come down a little yeah, bit. This isn't as cool. Yeah, because you can really pretty much do anything in VR. So that's awesome. And so you've been developing some apps with I know a couple of other of our yep. colleagues here in San Francisco. What tools are you guys using? What hardware, software? Uh, with the hardware, we built our own PC. I was not involved in that, <laughs> so I really couldn't tell you what we're using. But it's a cool PC, and we're using the Vive headset. The reason that one's cool is, as far as I know, it's the only room scale one. So it has these two towers that can be put at most 15 by 15 feet mm -hmm. apart. And it creates this little space that you can actually move in and it'll track where you are. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Normally with most headsets, you can't move. Right. If you do move, nothing's going to change in the yeah. headset and you're going to get sick. Got it. But with the Vive, you can. And so if you're... Wearing yep. the Vive, if you have the whole Vive set up and you like walk forward, do you like walk forward in yep. VR as well? That's incredible. Yeah. Otherwise, if there's any kind of disconnect, like if you move in real life, but not virtually, mm -hmm. that's pretty much what makes people sick. That make, Yeah. Because you're getting different signals. Your from brain your body. being really confused. <laughs> it literally thinks you've been poisoned, actually. Oh, that's wow. why you get nauseous. Yeah. Is it like it mimics all the symptoms of like poisoning? Yeah. That's nuts. <laughs> oh, my God. And it can take hours to get over. So Jesus. Yeah, it's pretty serious. Um, <laughs> but the vibe is fun. Yep. <laughs> that's what we use. It's like totally interactive. And in terms of software, we develop with Unity, which is very popular. Um, Unreal is also an option, though, for a different game engine. I'm sure there's others, but Unity is the most common. Got it. At least among people I know. Mm -hmm. Other than that, I will create the 3D models with Maya, which is a different piece of software that's for modeling or animation. Really, I just describe it as Illustrator on steroids. <laughs> it's the best way to understand it. And trying to think if we use anything else. Those are those are definitely the big ones. And you've written some introductory blog posts about getting into Maya, um, which we'll link in the show notes for the mm -hmm. listeners. Yeah. Have you written anything, or can you talk about kind of getting into Unity, mm -hmm. um, like which you spend more time in as a designer? Or? It really depends what you want to do. I would definitely recommend just 
trying both, being familiar with it, if only because if you're trying to make a game by yourself or, or any kind of, you know, app like that, you're going to have to do everything yourself. So right. you may as well be comfortable with it. But even if you're going to specialize, it is nice to know what the limitations are of yeah. each one. Like there are some things I can do really quickly in Maya and there are some that I can't. And it's helpful for me if a game developer understands what right. my capabilities are in yeah. Maya. And that, I think that's true of development on any platform. Exactly. Um, understanding when a client asks, how long will this take? <laughs> or if they say, I want this, being able to say, that's easy, this is difficult, here are the alter yep. alternatives. So Maya and Unity work in harmony for creating a VR experience. Yeah, um, actually in Maya, there's even an option to send your models to Unity and also to send to Unreal. So Got it. it works very smoothly with both. Gotcha. And to circle back to your question about how to get into Unity and what you'd recommend, Unity is so popular that there, there's so much documentation. Yeah. Like anything you have a question about, there's an answer online. Yeah. Unity itself has made some tutorials that are really helpful for just kind of feeling out the software and what to do. For people who are specifically interested in VR, I'd really recommend the Google Cardboard tutorials and SDKs. Mm -hmm. Even if, yeah, ultimately you want to develop for the Vive or something, just being able to do it on your phone super quickly is really cool. Yeah. And much more accessible. Does that use Unity or is there something else because it's so kind of lightweight? You can use it on Unity and Unreal, I gotcha. think. Gotcha. Okay. And I think you could even straight up just use the Android ID or something. I don't Got know. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> there is. Yeah. Probably. A lot of options. Yeah. Very cool. What have you and the San Francisco office uh, built together? So in November, there was the GitHub Game Jam. So for one month, people were making games. We did not actually end up finishing this game, but <laughs> we were making something that it was really just this kind of bizarre experience. Um, I'm trying to figure out how to describe it. Basically, it was like going through a file system like you uh -huh. would on your computer, but everything was 3D. That's awesome. And just outrageous. Yeah. And we just had fun kind of designing, you know, like what could a lock look like? Like mm -hmm. if a folder is locked, let's yeah. say, you know, and having, yeah, an actual the, like, manifestation literal lock. Of, yeah. <laughs> or we had this cool effect where you could put up a magnifying glass to your face. So that was a cool thing. Like yeah. you have one of the VR, um, shoot, what are the hand control? Is it the hand controllers? controllers? <laughs> sure, the hand controllers. <laughs> like you kind of pick up the magnifying glass and you do move it to your face and then the scene becomes different. Like that was a way of changing the scene. Mm -hmm. So it's like you're really looking through the magnifying glass. Yeah, um, that's really neat. So it's more like just the weird experimental thing. I hesitate to even call it a game. Yeah. But it taught us all a lot about, like, how to even get started with a VR game. Like, thinking yeah. about the design, what would be fun. Okay, what are the interactions like? Yeah. For the modeling stuff, like, what is performant? Because you can't really have super, super detailed models in VR because it, it's just too computationally expensive. Mm -hmm. 
which is why things tend to look pretty simple in VR. Gotcha. Hey there, Derek and Sean here, cutting in for just a moment to tell you about today's sponsor, FreshBooks. I know among the Bike Shed listeners out there, we have a lot of uh, independent contractors or self-employed folks. It's a popular thing to do these days as a developer. And when I talk to these people, one of the many things they say is that keeping up with the back office part, the invoicing and the time tracking, is really difficult to do and really the most annoying part. On top of all the other stuff you have to do when you're wrapping up projects and preparing for meetings with clients... Uh, you've got to worry about this part of the business. And that's where our friends at FreshBooks have your back. The working world has changed. With the growth of the internet, there's never been more opportunities for the self-employed. To meet this need, FreshBooks is excited to announce the launch of an all-new version of their cloud accounting software. That's right. If you checked them out in the past, check them out again because the software is all new. It's been redesigned from the ground up and custom-built for exactly the way you work. Get ready for the simplest way to be more productive, organized, and most importantly, get paid quickly. As I speak to a lot of the self-employed folks, uh, a lot of us are kind of uncomfortable with the going back to people and saying that invoice is due last week. Uh, are you going to pay it? <laughs> right? And one of the features that FreshBooks has built in is when you set the terms, it will automatically remind people that, hey, you have this unpaid invoice. So it's one of the nice things it'll do for you. FreshBooks is not only ridiculously easy to use, it's also packed full of powerful features. You can create and send professional looking invoices in under 30 seconds. You can set up online payments with just a couple of clicks so people can get their money to you easier and faster. Enabling online payment gets you paid up to four days faster. And you can also see when your client has viewed your invoice and not wonder, have they not paid this just because they haven't seen it yet? Or do they just not intend to pay this? What's going on with that? FreshBooks is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to our listeners. To claim it, just go to freshbooks.com slash bike and enter the bike shed in the how did you hear about us section. Our thanks again to FreshBooks for sponsoring the show. What is the experience like coming from normally uh, web design and working with web developers and kind of being able to implement your own designs, but also sometimes like passing designs off versus the experience of pairing with developers on VR, because you're all kind of learning it together. I think for VR, it's actually a lot easier because in normal web development, it's very possible that, sure, I make these designs in Sketch mm -hmm. and then I give it to someone and hope for the best. Mm -hmm. That's not always the case at ThoughtBot either. Like right. I might very well be the one to actually implement it. Yeah, what I designed. But in VR, I'm just making those 3D models, Got and it. then I send it over to Unity, kind of mm -hmm. just drop it into that assets folder, and then they can put it in the game. Mm -hmm. And sometimes things look a little different, and then I'll have to make tweaks, but pretty much it's just like oh you needed this magnifying glass let me right. make you one here you go go ahead and use it in the game that's awesome and i like it too because it's so much more visual mm -hmm. really and it's easier for me to think about yeah i've never used maya or unity mm -hmm. um what is the developer workflow like like how do you save work how do you i mean are there files being saved so you can like still use git the way you traditionally would what does that look like you can use git with unity so most of the code is in c sharp you can write in javascript but it's not really as robust yeah i've never bothered to get git working with yeah. unity i've been told it's kind of a pain and mm -hmm. i haven't worked on anything big enough to really justify it gotcha but it's pretty much the same as anything else. Okay. Like the only difference is 
you're visually seeing right. what you're doing. Yeah. But- I didn't realize that it was all backed by C Sharp. So it seems like it's pretty similar to any other workflow where there's an IDE, but mm-hmm. still actual code being generated. Yep. Do you have to know C Sharp or is the IDE kind of like abstract away a lot of that for you? It helps for sure. And you don't have to know it to get started. I, again, I think the Unity documentation and tutorials do a pretty good job of mm-hmm. kind of setting you up for success. Yeah. I find it pretty easy to read, actually. It's not usually tricky. Yeah. It, of course, can get right. super complicated. But to start, eh, if, if you know how to code in general, you'll be fine. That's really cool. Um, have you been on any VR projects here at ThoughtBot? I have. I'm not sure we're allowed to talk about it. Got it. Um, okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. Um, I'm just wondering like, what the process is like for... I'm just thinking of I'm an Android developer. And so with kind of acceptance testing, as we're building the app, the client is it's reasonable to assume they have an Android phone and that they would put the app on their phone to test it. I'm now imagining like a client putting on a VR headset or like going into a huge (laughs) studio and like testing out these apps. Um, So I was just wondering, like, if that process is similar or. I wouldn't really say there's much of a process yet. We're still trying to figure that out for the project we were doing. I suppose I can say this much, that it was really for Google Cardboard. So it it would work on any smartphone. That makes it easier. Yeah. Um, You'd still do need the Cardboard headset. Right. They're free. (laughs) Yeah. It's like $10 on Amazon. Got it. We can do it. Yeah. I was only on the project for a little bit. So what I did was really just kind of exploratory work in Mm -hmm. Unity around some of the basic interactions and the UI patterns for when you're in VR. So, for example, if you're in the experience, but you want to go back to the main menu, like, Mm. how do you do that? Yeah. And there aren't really any super solid patterns yet. There are a few. Yeah. But people are still trying to figure this out. Yeah. You can't just be like, oh, throw a hamburger icon somewhere. Yeah. It's interesting because, like, in Android, we have the material design guidelines. Apple has the human interface guidelines. Is Unity putting anything out there, or is there any company who's trying to create standards? To an extent, I know Unity and Oculus both have pretty good documentation. Mm -hmm. Just about, roughly speaking, like design and development patterns, like this is how you make sure people don't get sick. Yeah. Pretty big consideration. Yeah. But in terms of UI and anything like material design... Yep. Not really. And I, I like that. I really hope that we don't converge too soon on a pattern. Yeah. I happen to think we've already converged too soon in web design. Mm-hmm. But VR is still kind of the Wild West yeah. of design. And I think that's really exciting. Because yeah. people are coming up with some really creative solutions to different problems. Can you give us an example? There's one VR game, and unfortunately I'm blanking on the name, but mm-hmm. I know that Basically, your home menu is actually like this cat that follows you around and then you can interact with the cat. (laughs) (laughs) That's so cool. So I think that's pretty neat. Or there's another game where you like have to teleport around through rooms. Mm -hmm. Again, blanking on the name. Very sorry. But you end up with a bunch of stuff in your inventory, basically. Yeah. And... They found a pretty neat way to show what on earth is in your inventory. Like, 
you kind of press a button on one of the like handheld controllers and then there's sort of like a fan that yeah. comes out with everything you have and you can sort of rotate through it. That's cool. So yeah, like things are just a little more tangible and every single game does yeah. something different. And I think that's cool. Yeah, I think it's cool to think about having to come up with like visual representations of things we've taken for granted um, because they only really exist in the like space of a computer. Mm -hmm. um, like you said earlier, like the file system, like yes, there are literal file cabinets. Um, so maybe that's not a great example, but like things like we're just only used to interacting with on the computer that you would now have to like, or could be able to like walk through or touch or experience. Yeah. That's really awesome. What other questions people might have or things they would need to kind of get started? Well, what I always recommend, because I think people kind of forget that this is possible, but I really want to emphasize that if you have a smartphone, you can experience VR right now. Yes, you have to buy that $10 cardboard yeah. headset on Amazon, but... They do, like, giveaways, I think. Um, and, like, you can... I know they had a Star Wars one that was free. You just had to, like, sign up and they'd ship it to you. Yeah, so they're pretty easy to get. Mm -hmm. And they work with most modern smartphones. And you can just download the Google Cardboard yeah. app. You can try out some experiences. Because I think a lot of people think, okay, you know... There's the Rift, there's the Vive, like, yeah. you know, and I have no idea where to try those. And it's true, it's not super common yet, and yeah. they are super awesome. Yeah, but they're also very expensive now still. Yeah, they, it's thousands of dollars, and you need a PC that right. can handle it. But, yeah, I mean, you have a smartphone, like, you can try yeah. VR. And once you've tried that and kind of gotten a sense for it, you know, Unity is free and all the tutorials are there and there's so much help already online. Mm -hmm. And it's VR is still a relatively small community compared yep. to other tech fields. But I've found that everyone is incredibly friendly, incredibly excited about people yeah. getting into it. So that's awesome. You can just jump in. Yeah. People will be happy you're there. Yeah, I definitely get the sense um, internally at ThoughtBot that everyone who does it is really excited about it, and they definitely want to talk to you about it, and they want you to come and do it with them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's really cool to hear um, that kind of the barrier to entry, because I know in some tech communities, it might not seem as friendly or open. Um, so that's really neat to hear that it's exciting to be in. For any listeners in San Francisco, are there meetups here that you go to or ones you've heard of in other cities that you'd recommend? There are some. I have not attended any because I'm really bad at attending meetups. <laughs> but really, if you just go to like meetup.com or whatever and start looking, there are several. Yeah. Specifically in San Francisco, gray area in the mission mm -hmm. is kind of a creative coding community. And they don't strictly focus on VR, but they, yeah. they will have cool like art shows and exhibits yeah. about it. I know in Seattle, there's a really big community. Yeah. Almost makes me want to move to Seattle, but <laughs> I don't think I can handle all that rain. <laughs> and that seems like a really exciting place to be. Yeah. So we focused a lot about how awesome VR is and how mm -hmm. easy it is. Um, are there any pain points or things you kind of ran into when you were first starting out that you would advice basically you would give to other people or kind of hot tips? I think my biggest pain point, honestly, is when I'm making a cardboard app for my iPhone. Mm -hmm. It takes so long <laughs> to uh. build. And I'm used to doing a lot of front-end development where I right. refresh the page and there we go. Yep. So Should come to Android development. It's a solid 60 seconds. 
Oh, it's much longer for VR. Like oh. I can walk away and go eat a snack. Oh, wow. <laughs> so sometimes the process can still be really clunky and slow. Yep. You know, people still haven't really figured out the best way to do that or mm-hmm. the best way to do tests or, you know, how to take videos of what's going on inside VR. So part of it being new means, yes, it's exciting. You can do right. anything. And it also means there's very little support. It's yeah. not like trying to spin up a Rails app or yeah. something. Like It's a lot worse. There's a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> but... I don't know. It's still really fun. Uh, I think something that can get tricky is thinking about 3D on a 2D screen. Mm -hmm. And definitely when you're making 3D models, if anyone gets into Maya, that can always be a challenge. Like you think something looks good from one angle and then you turn it around. You're like, oh, my God, this is totally wrong. (laughs) And kind of the same with VR, like on the screen, it might look like things are the right size or they're an appropriate distance. Then you try it on the headset. It's like, yeah. nope, that that's just a mess. Yeah. Is it still kind of like you'd have to take off the headset, you know, edit something, rebuild it, put the headset back on? Or is there the ability to like, if you're wearing the headset, could I be editing it live or? Well, actually, there is a team at Unity that is working on that. I don't awesome. know if it's totally released mm-hmm. now or if it's in beta or it's about to but yeah yeah their vr team is working that's on incredible. like unity in vr yeah so that would be that's awesome. available or it will be available yeah i'm not sure that i would want to program in vr yet i think i i don't know if it's just because code is so two-dimensional but i don't think if i had the opportunity to like immerse myself in a different like if the code became more alive, I think that would scare me more than it would <laughs> excite me. Yeah, and reading text in VR is not fun. So yeah. having to stare at code in VR sounds yeah. like a nightmare. That's yeah, that sounds awful. <laughs> in your experience, has it of the people like in the community and who are getting excited about it, is it a pretty even mix between developers and designers? Um, or is it kind of skewed in one direction? That's a really good question. I hadn't thought about that. I would say that that dichotomy isn't really as pronounced. That's awesome. That for sure there are some people who focus more on like strictly coding and developing mm-hmm. and some people just want to make the assets and the models. But really, almost everyone I know, they kind of do a little bit of both. Yeah. And you can't just code. You do have right. to think like a designer. And right. you can't just design. You yeah. do have to realize what the technical limitations are. Right. Yeah, that sounds a little bit like mobile development. I always think it's interesting that in the web development world, it always seems to me like it's easier to draw the line between who's a designer and who's a developer. Mm-hmm. But for the mobile platforms, because to design, to actually implement your designs, you have to know so much about the frameworks. Mm-hmm. The developers end up having to be a little bit of a designer and you have to know what's possible, like you were saying, and what isn't. And so it's cool that there are more kind of platforms popping up that are like that, because I think that it's exciting to get designers into this kind of space and to get developers into the design mindset and Mm -hmm. like forcing you to really understand the user experience, because that's what it's, I mean, obviously all about. Um, And when you have to do both, you have, I think, a lot more empathy and understanding for what the end user is going through. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's more exciting, too, because no one's stuck in their corner and, like, getting burnt out on any one thing. You can move around so fluidly between any aspect of VR. Yeah, that's awesome. It stays exciting. (laughs) Very cool. 
Well, thank you so much for coming on to Bike Shed. And I wish Derek feels better. Congratulations to Sean on his baby and Lila on her baby. But I'm glad that you weren't sick or having a baby. So you were able to join me. Thank you. Me too. <laughs> Alrighty. Show notes for this episode can be found at bikeshed.fm slash 95. As always, ratings and reviews on iTunes are much appreciated. If you have feedback about this or any other episode, you can tweet us at underscore bike shed, email us at hosts at bikeshed.fm, or leave a comment on the website. Thanks for listening to Bike Shed, and we'll see you next time.